presents Travel Edge Radio, the show that lets you scratch your lust for travel from the friendly confines of your home. I'm your host, Dan Schlossberg, along with my longtime friend and colleague, Mary Ellen Nugent Lee. And this is the 470th episode of Travel Edge Radio, and we are in our 11th season. Every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, we visit with hoteliers, airline executives, authors, photographers, publicists, and others in the travel world. Listen live on iTunes or blogtalkradio.com, or feel free to check out the show later by typing Travel Itch Radio into the blogtalkradio.com search box and clicking on today's date, August 4th, 2022. Actually, that's a typo. It's actually August 11th, but that's okay. Our guest tonight is longtime <laughs> friend and colleague, Nick Contis. Welcome back, Nick, to Travel Itch Radio. Hi, Dan. Hi, Mary Ellen. How are you? I, I don't know what day it is. We're glad to have you back. <laughs> We've had you on several times before, Nick, but I bet you've traveled around the world a few times since then. Please tell our listeners what you've been up to. Well, let's, let's consider this. In January, I went to a travel conference. Dan, you were there, a travel media conference. And I'm telling you, you could hear a pin drop at JFK. There was no one there. It was empty. All the the hoopla about the the new new Omicron variant was in people's minds. So I was wondering, well, we're going to go through another year of kind of questionable travel? You know, I wasn't sure what was going on. Uh, Let's fast forward a bit. In later on in February, I was invited to Mardi Gras, and uh, I went to Mardi Gras first in Shreveport. So that was kind of my kind of my first travel besides this business trip to New York. You know, as it was late February, and then I went to I continued on to Mardi Gras in New Orleans. And you know, even in New Orleans, it didn't feel right. You could tell that you know it wasn't a, it wasn't a normal Mardi Gras. It surely was less people. It was crowded, and the kids were on the streets, but you know, it didn't feel the same. But then what happened? The world flipped the switch, it seems like, in April. In April, what I did, my wife and I, we sailed on two amazing expeditions with small ship sailors uncruised in the Sea of Cortez on their Baja Bounty, which mm. was only 11 of us, 11 people on a, on a, on a cruise ship. How, how, how can that be? But it was just fantastic to be on a – I like small sailings. So that was wonderful. Immediately after I got back to La Paz from that journey, we, my wife and I flew to Costa Rica to join Aurora Expeditions, amazingly purposely built for expedition Greg Mortimer vessel to go from Costa Rica down south through the Panama Canal ending in Cartagena. So I'm just thrilled that travel's back, and it's looking like um, – well, you know, the numbers are, are looking good for travel this year. Well, Nick, would you say that things are definitely back to normal, or are there still other issues, and is it different in Europe than in the United States? Well, there's definitely other issues, that, that, that's for sure. And, well, is travel back to normal? It's not, not, not normal the way we used to know it uh, before COVID, I don't think, but there's still issues out there. Um, is it different in Europe than the United States? I'm not sure. I'd say that uh, the airports sure are a mess, though, in both places. I've, I've been now to Europe and to Amer- U.S. airports, and the staffing issues, lines are longer. You have to allow for more time. 
at an airport now. But as far as the numbers of travelers goes, it looks like um, from what they're saying, I think the TSA said that in up-to-date today, um, I think they said, I checked this out earlier, 2.6 million people traveled in 2019 and were at 2.4 to date. So mm. it looks like things are coming back, I think. You know, look, people want to be out on the road. People are, are tired of COVID, and I think now that we've waited two years, we know what's going on, we know what's out there, you know, be safe. Wear a mask when you when you can on a plane, but um, people want to travel. That's for sure. And I think next year is going to be even even more insane. People that are on the fence this year about boarding aircrafts and flying abroad probably won't last another year of not traveling in 2023. They probably won't pass up the chance to travel abroad. Oh, yeah. Now, you were telling us about that wonderful cruise on the Sea of Cortez. Do you prefer a group tour, those kind of wonderful cruises, a press trip, or just traveling on your own and seeing what happens? Boy, oh, boy, that's a good question, but I'll say (laughs) I can answer it like this. A little bit of everything. I do like small group trips. If I'm I'm with other journalists, I prefer it to be like no more than four to six. I do like small ship sailings a lot, Mm. as we were, I believe we were, yeah, I said we were 11 people on the uh, Safari Voyager with Uncruise. Amazing, again, that Sea of Cortez. Man, it it really is the World's Aquarium. And then with (laughs) the Greg Mortimer with Aurora Expeditions, just another amazing company, Australia-based Aurora Expeditions. We were 32. I think of I think of, of 180. Yeah, we were 32 people. Wonderful, wonderful to be on these small, small these these good-sized vessels with less people. So I was really lucky to be, I guess, kind of sort of one of the first. Uh, I don't know, first travelers out there. You know, in you know, willing to go full full out all the way. <laughs> Well, Nick, how often do you travel and when do you write? If you had to give it a percentage, as they do in baseball with batting average, what percent of the time are you on the road? Dan, would you say that a 500 batting average is good? I'd say so. Um, oh, yeah. I would, say, I would say that, yeah, probably about, I would say that I'm, I'm staying put in my bases in, on the Pacific side of Mexico and in the Napa Valley about half the year, and then I'm gone about half the year exploring the world we are talking with travel writer Nick Contis. Nick, do you pick your own destinations or take assignments from editors or perhaps a little of both? Once again, a little of both. Um, <laughs> it's, it's always going to be that way. It's always going to be, be both. But uh, I, I will go to – I'll go back to Greece every other year for one thing, and that's on my own. And like, like, let's think of a destination that I probably wouldn't visit if it if it if I had to choose myself. I'm invited to Alula, a new area of Saudi Arabia. I don't know if you know that Saudi Arabia is opening up. You know, they're opening up for tourism, and uh, Alula is supposed to be like Petra in Jordan, amazing, uh, amazing rock formations and something out of this world that, uh, that you know, none of us know. So that will be a press trip. But uh, it's a combination of the two. Wow. Are you constantly pitching ideas to new editors? Constantly. That's, a, that's, a, that's the battle of the travel writer, pitching, <laughs> pitching new ideas to, to editors. 
I'm doing mm-hmm. that quite frequently, and um, you know, it's uh, it's it's hit and miss. But you know, like other travel writers, we're all looking for something to tell other travelers that's unique uh, and timely as far as travel goes. And especially now with travel back, there'll be um, a lot more stories to tell. Mm-hmm. Nick, you've won a number of awards for your work. Please tell us about them. Well, you know what, guys? I'll say this. If I can get an accolade, here's my favorite accolade. When somebody comes up to me, maybe at a, I'm speaking or at a travel show, and they might say, you know something? I read your story on um, Uluru in Australia or Rwanda, and I went – I went to travel there after after I after your photos or, or my story. That's my biggest accolade, if you ask me. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've, my I've won a few accolades for different uh, hotel stories, photo essays. Um, my my Greek work is in USA Today, and you know, like I said, I aim to I aim to aspire people to travel. Mm. Well, when I hear a, a, a comment like that. We read your story in USA Today or wherever. I always wondered, did you like it or hate it? So I want people to say, I like your story in USA Today. That would be even better. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, I hope so. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, normally they do. I I think so. I think I do an okay job of, how do I say it, getting people off the couch and watching the Travel Channel to actually be out there on the road and seeing the world. Well said. Oh, you do. You do. And do you have family in Greece, and how often do you see them? Well, I try to do this, Dan and Mary Ellen. I try to make it to Greece every other year. Um, Still is a little bit far. Last year, my wife and I, during COVID, and of course it was fine in Greece, we traveled to the um, we traveled to the far eastern Dodecanese Island in southeastern Greece, and I discovered some real gems, being Rhodes, the capital, wonderful island, and then smaller islands. Castellorizo, Kassos, Karpathos, Halki, and Simi. Wonderful, wonderful journey. And uh, I went to northern Greece. And uh, Thessaloniki is a wonderful city. Greece is second, second city. Wonderful. And beautiful beaches in Halki, Diki. It was a wonderful journey. I spent, an, I, you, know, you know, Dan, as usual, here's what happened. I, you know, my wife and I traveled on one-way tickets. We took, again, we took what was to be a, maybe a three-week, four-week trip to Greece, and we never have a return ticket if we know we're going somewhere where we might be longer. And it's easy to get home on a one-way ticket from Europe in the fall. It turned out to be nine weeks. So wow. next year we'll go back. Wow. Well, you said you were in Rhodes. Did you see the Colossus? Ah, so it's, it's an amazing island in, in so many ways. It has, it has, it, it, it flawlessly mixes culture with, with epicure, with beaches. Wonderful island. I, I love it. The Colossus of Rhodes is one of my favorite seven wonders of the ancient world. And, so that's why I asked about that. As it that. should be. As it should be. And, and it's hard to believe you have, you have ancient ruins next to sort of a, a, a vibrant, a vibrant city. Rhodestown. And we're talking with travel writer Nick Contes. Nick, you're an active member of the North American Travel Journalists Association. How does your membership help you, personally, professionally, or other? Well, I, th- I think anytime you can mingle with your colleagues, and we don't get to do that too often, right? We're all we're all traveling the world. Anytime you can get together 
any time, any conference you go to, you're going to pick something up. You're going to learn something. If you stay home, like they say, if you stay home, you won't meet anyone or learn anything. <laughs> you know, if you go out and, and you go out to these things, you know, you'll, you know, some, something's bound to happen. It's, it's like when I go to a travel show, like a, a travel trade show, like the New York Times travel show or World Travel Market in London, something good will come out of it. I'll learn something. I might get invited on a trip, and I'll say, boy, if I didn't come, if I, I, I was going to stay home for this one. So I think, you know, I, I think, I think every, every little bit helps. Hmm. Do you belong to any other travel writers groups, such as the Society um, of American I, Travel Journalists? Yeah, I, I've, been invited, I've been invited to join, and I, I think I will. I, I probably will. But, um, you know, I'm so busy traveling that I don't know how many of these I can attend, but um, – but, uh, yeah, like I said, you know, it's, it's all – any knowledge is good knowledge, right? Any knowledge is good to have. Mm-hmm. Well, Nick, one constant and controversial issue facing travel journalists is accepting comp trips from PR people. But without those trips, a lot of stories would never get written. What do you take on that situation? Well, you know, you know, Dan, considering that travel writers get paid so much money – being facetious, of course. It's a little shocking to me that we shouldn't accept press trips. I mean, I mean, I don't think. Yeah, let's be honest. Am I going to fly? I went to Kenya. I went to Kenya last year as well. Qatar Q Suites, Great Plains Conservancy, Lux Tent, Lux Tent in the you know Lux Tent Living in the in the Masemara. Would I be able to do that? Of course not. But again, how am I how am I going to tell other people about that? Like you said, if I if I didn't accept that trip, that was a good mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. With print publications shrinking in size because of decreasing ad revenue, how does that impact you? Well, it impacts all of us. That that's for sure. Um, all we can do is you know keep moving forward, and also I think you have to diversify and look for other ways to to. I don't I don't, I don't know how many people are. 100% full-time travel writers they don't have either maybe a, a blog, a, maybe a podcast. Maybe. I have a friend on the Lower East Side in New York, and he does Airbnb experiences. He's, he's, he, he guides people on tours of the Lower East Side of Manhattan. So I think everybody's got to have something going on or something, you know, another gig somehow. Mm-hmm. Okay, and now the most important question of the night. How did you become a fan of the San Francisco Giants, and how many baseball games do you see every year? Dad, you're killing, you're killing me. We're in third place, and we we've, we've, we've surely have not had a good second half as of today. But that said, that's, that, that, we'll, we'll leave that alone. We'll leave it. Oh, oh, Dan, what's the worst word in the English language? Tell me. Dodgers. <laughs> I love it. Now, 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 it's a funny thing I say that because I really love Los Angeles, but uh, I don't so much love their baseball team. Um, <laughs> you know when I was a kid, you know when I was a kid that I sat on a William Mays' lap? My godfather was mayor of San Francisco for two terms, and he actually, George Christopher, Greek, Greek mayor okay. of San Francisco, he brought the Giants from New York to San Francisco. So I have a little bit of pedigree there. And it's into this, one of my early jobs you know how you ever everyone everyone I don't know weighted tables, you know done any kind of odd jobs 
you know, sold lemonade. Well, I sold souvenir and beer in Candlestick Park when I turned 21 oh. for two years. Oh, that's so. fabulous. Yeah, hey, character-building jobs. <laughs> I'm envious. <laughs> Teach you how to hustle. Learn how to hustle. It's better than babysitting. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, you're you listening go. to Travelitz Radio with Dan Schlossberg, Mary Ellen Nugent Lee, and our special guest, Nick Contis. Find the archive show on blogtalkradio.com or check out Travelitz Radio on Facebook. We're also on iTunes. And we're talking with travel writer Nick Contis. Nick, how long have you been a professional travel journalist? Is it your um, only means of making a living, or, or what, what are your side hustles that you were talking about? Well, I'll tell you this, you know. When I when I when I was 24, I took a backpack. I told my I told my dear parents, yes, I know all my friends are working at 24, and I'm living at home. Here's the thing: Greek parents will never boot you from the house. Greek parents, mom and dad will never kick you out of the home. So I was 24. <laughs> I was 24 doing these side jobs, like I like I said, selling beer and souvenirs at Candlestick Park and getting by and having no expenses. And I said, Mom, Dad, I'm going to take one more trip to Greece. And when I come back, I'm going to, you know, get serious. I know something called a desk job, whatever that means. You sit behind a desk and you make money and you want something called a pension because that's what you, you strive for in life. I go, okay, that sounds all right. All right, I'll try to do that. So I, anyway, 13 months later, I returned home and a light bulb went on. I go, it's the history degree marketing minor. I just purchased airline tickets at travel agencies called Bucket Shops in the likes of Athens, Bangkok, and Sydney. And, hmm, what should I do? So I started the very first travel agency at the time, way back oh. in the late 80s, specializing in discount around the world's airfares. So surprisingly, surprisingly, I did well at that because I'm, I, here's the thing. I'm living proof that every knucklehead has a shot in life because <laughs> I became successful, and now I can afford to become a travel writer, <laughs> I like to say. So. That sounds great. Well, I got my start writing about a blizzard in Syracuse. If you had to pinpoint one I, thing, what would it be? How did you get your start? Well, I um, someone suggested that, you know, I had all these years of travel experience. You know, I've been to over 100 countries, and I sold travel. You know, a logical step for me, guys, was to transition from selling travel to writing about my experiences. You know, and, and, and having a passion for travel, that was an easy, an easy transition for me to do. Um, I started writing for TheExaminer.com, which is no longer around, and the Huffington Post travel section. And um, I just went from there. You know, I just, uh, you know, I had a passion for travel always. I've always had had a passion for travel. And, you know, I started off slowly, and I, and I, and I went for it, and uh, I'm, I'm sure glad I did. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's very rewarding. Mm. Well, we're glad you did, too. You must have a long list of favorites, favorite country, favorite hotel, favorite airline, maybe even a favorite beach. Would you mind sharing? Absolutely. Oh, boy. That's a, always a good question. Hmm. <laughs> to rattle off countries, I'll, I'll try to be fast. Let's see. Greece, Greece, Italy, Mexico, Japan, Kenya, Australia, the U.K., Portugal, Brazil, New Zealand, all of Southeast Asia, Nepal, and too many to count. You asked me hotels, hotels, God, hotels, oh, my God. Let's see. There's a place in Gateway, Colorado, Gateway Canyons Resort and Spa, in the middle of nowhere. 
Lux Cowboy Living, I call it. Wonderful place, Ooh. one of my favorites. In Florence, the JK Place, 20 rooms, and their motto is Home Sweet Home. There isn't a there isn't a reception area. You simply walk in as if it's your own home, and you have a living room, and it feels like home. I, I love the concept of that. Castel oh. Monastero in Chianti is a 12th century monk's village converted into a luxe property. Uh, I stayed with these guys, Great Plains Conservancy in Kenya. Again, luxury, opulent, posh tent safari living, wonderful, amazing. I go to London a lot. I love the Athenium and the Royal Lancaster. I like the Raffles brand. Uh, mm. I, was, I was in Los Cabos. Hacienda del Mar I just stayed at was amazing. And I love the Mexican brand Posadas, which has the most opulent property is Live Aqua. Just wonderful. There's one in San Miguel Allende. I think they have them around in a few places, but... It was just wonderful to be in, uh, to see another side of Mexico that I don't normally go to. And I like uh, Jean-Michel Cousteau's uh, resort in Fiji, also wonderful. Oh, yes. But you Any know something else, guys? <laughs> favorite? You know, no, getting back to accommodations, I'll say that sometimes the best accommodations are just a simple place like a, like a tea house in Trekking in Nepal or like, a place where I stayed, like in the 90s in Lamu, where you could hear the Muzin uh, uh, every day, you know, the, the Muslim chants every day. You know, that's what moves you. That's, those are the moments that you think of in travel. Now for beaches, for beaches, I like a lot of beaches. I'd say Miritos Beach, I live on a beach. Miritos Beach in, um, on the island of Kefalonia, uh, the island of Ladig in the Seychelles, Julia Pfeiffer State Park in Big Sur, California. And I like beach cities, Rio, Cape Town, and Sydney. And I even like something I like in Copacabana. It's fine by me. I love to see people having a good time on the beach in the right setting. And those three, Bondi Beach in Sydney, the beaches of Rio, you know, Clifton Beach in Cape Town, just wonderful. I love a city by I, – I, for me, because I'm, you know, I'm born in Greece, raised in San Francisco. I live on a beach 90 miles north of Puerto Varda in San Blas, so I'm pretty much of a, a beach person. So, yeah, beaches are be, – beaches, beaches more than snow for me. Well, how about least favorite places or properties you would never visit again no matter how much they paid you? Uh, you're, guys, you're asking me to sort of, sort of slam someone. Well, not really. I guess not. Okay. Okay, but two years, right before COVID, I went to Hainan Island, which is part of China, right? Oh, I know. And the, and the Chinese call it the Hawaii of China. It's not. Just leave it at that. <laughs> <Let's see>. um, <laughs> prob- probably, probably, yeah, prob- probably there are parts of China, Russia, India, that I didn't like as much, but, you know, there's also parts of those countries that I love. I remember being in Somalia and Chechnya, and probably, I probably won't go back. You know, there's places that you've, you know, a lot of places you've been there, done that, and you're not going to go back again. Um, you said, what, what, what do I, I'm, I'm not, what, what do I really dislike? Low-cost carriers, the likes of EasyJet and Ryanair, all of their ancillary yeah. fees drive me nuts. Just tell me the price, and I want to know what's going on, you know. Anyway, um, well, I, I, you know, everyone, every, everyone who's backpacked when they were young stayed at some pretty crappy hotels along the way, so I don't know. You know, yeah, there's, there's, there's more that I like 
thankfully, about travel is more that I like than that I dislike. Well, that's good. We're talking with travel writer Nick Contest. Nick, I love train travel, and there's lots of it available in Europe. Have you done train stories or at least been railroaded into thinking about them? <laughs> oh, well, you, you know, you, guys, I love trains. Trains are a wonderful. I love trains, and now, now, as you, you know, as I've been mentioning, I'm, I'm getting into, you know, sailing, sailing adventures. I love both. I just think, if you, if you fly over something, you don't see it. Trains are, mm. trains are just, trains are just. Listen to this. It should be a rite of passage for every kid, 18 year old kid. They should say, "Here's the URL pass. Go to Europe. Go explore. One month or three. Just hop on, hop on." Pop off trains, go explore Europe. Every, that should be a rite of passage for every everyone, every, every young 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 adult in America. Mm-hmm. And American trains are expanding too, way beyond Amtrak with the Rocky Mountain Montaner. They're running in the Great American West. Have you done U.S. train travel? Well, it's funny that you mentioned the. I think it's called the the the, the Rockies to Red Rocks. Yeah, yeah, the Rockies to Red Rocks, yeah, Denver to Denver to Moab. I'm, I'm so 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 much into doing that, and I think I'm going to do that probably next year for sure. Um, you know, just like I said, you know, it's just a wonderful way to traverse the traverse the land, and you see so much when you when you, you see so much out the window when you take a train. But honestly, you know, being a California guy, it seems like West Coast kids didn't do as much. I don't know, train travel is. Maybe someone growing up on, in, you know, in, in New York or in, you know, anywhere on the East Coast. But uh, mm. I want to, I want to, I want to get a, I think Amtrak has a pass, right? Amtrak has a pass you can get for, to, to do sort of a version of a URL pass. So I, I really want to do that. I really want to see more of America by train. But, yeah, that Rocky Mountaineer uh, journey sounds, although it's a, a fast trip, you know, it's not a long journey, but it just sounds to me, it's channeling me, put it that way, guys. <laughs> well, do you, do you also drive? Do you also drive on assignment, or do you prefer to let others do the driving for I, you? You know something? You know, again, California guy, right? I like driving. <laughs> I have no problem driving at all. But does it happen all that often? If I'm on a trip where, again, it's a, if, it, if it's a press trip, I'm taken care of, right? So I'm going to be right. shown around, and I won't drive. If I go on my own somewhere, you know, I'll get a car in Greece, you know, I drive all around Mexico, um, you know, I have no problem. And uh, I don't know, as far as safety goes, you know, te- uh, statistics prove that more bad things happen to you in your own home base than on the road. So uh-huh. chalk up another, another, uh, you know, another accolade about travel for travel. Mm-hmm. Okay, with time running out, how much time per day do you devote to writing and when is the best time of day for you to write? For me, I need caffeine, guys. I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I need coffee. Coffee is a is a, a major a major player in my existence. So I would say I'm best eh, ten to five. I'm not a good late night guy, late night writer, you know. And I'm not and I'm not an early 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 writer either. So I would say I would say yeah, within that those hours, yeah, I'm best working in the day as if you know I were going to an office. <laughs> Yeah, I'm the opposite of you. I start early and I like to write late, but in between, not so much. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're all different. But anyway, more importantly, how do Travelage Radio listeners find your work? I know you contribute to USA Today. What else? Um, follow me on Instagram. 
Trip Rambler Nick. Oh, okay. R-A-M-B-L-E-R, Trip Rambler Nick. Um, uh, you can search me anywhere pretty much, Nicholas Pontus, Nick Pontus. And I have a book on Amazon, Going Local, Experiences and Encounters on the Road, an experiential travel book. And that, of course, you can find on the little bookstore in Seattle, all the Amazon. Many thanks to travel writer Nick Contes for being our guest tonight on Travel Itch Radio. Thank you, guys. Okay, and that's it for this edition of Travel Itch Radio. Next week, same time, same station, same writers, same announcers, we'll talk with Ben McDonald about Reno, Nevada. Now, this is Dan Schlossberg along with Mary Ellen Nugent Lee saying thank you for your time. First time, until next time, good night. Thank you.